I want that intensity because I feel like it's going to make me, make me a better person. And not just yeah. that, but, you know, prepared for motherhood, too. I feel like birth really does prepare us for motherhood. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive, natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. Are you ready to have all of your EMF questions answered? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 205 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today, oh my goodness, we have such an incredible podcast interview for you. So we're going to be speaking to Courtney Taylor. Courtney is a free birth mom to two children. She is also a researcher, customer service, liaison for Blue Shield USA, whom we spoke to the co-owner of last week, Natalie Amalani. And so now this week, we're going to be speaking to Courtney, hearing about her amazing free births, and then diving into the questions that you as my listeners asked uh, over the week, the questions you had about EMFs. We're going to be answering them. This episode was so illuminating. I don't think I've ever spoken to someone who is so knowledgeable about EMFs and who can break it down so easily. So you guys are going to love this information-packed episode. I will remind you, if you are listening to this as it is released, you are right on the precipice of Blue Shield's huge Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale, where all of their products are 15% off store-wide or site-wide. But if you use my discount code, which is very simple, it's just home birth, all one word, you actually get 18% off. So this is the perfect time to start mitigating EMFs and protecting your family in your own home. Uh, especially now that I'm pregnant, I am so grateful to know that I have my Blue Shield working for me, working for my family, and working for this baby that is growing within me constantly. I don't even have to worry about it. It's it's so amazing to be able to eliminate that concern. So we're going to talk all about that. I can't wait to get into it. If you were listening to this at a later date, uh, not Thanksgiving of 2022, that is a-okay. My discount code HOMEBIRTH still gets you 10% off, which is so awesome. So all of the links are going to be at the bottom of the show notes. Courtney is going to reference a lot of um, articles that she has written. So you're going to want to go to Blue Shield. That's B-L-U Shield. Uh, you're going to want to go to Blue Shield's website and look under the education tab. I'll be sure to link it and read all of the incredible articles that she's written. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this incredible interview with Courtney. Courtney, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you, Caitlin. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you. I, I would love it if you would take just a moment here in the beginning to introduce yourself uh, and your family and your your job to the listeners. Um, my name is Courtney. Um, I, I'm here because I have, I've had two home births. My, um, my son is 13 years old at this point, and my daughter is two and a half. Um, I you know, I, yeah, I live a really natural lifestyle. I just, 
I like to be in nature a lot. I'm really into like healthy diet and, and healthy food. Um, and I, and the reason I got hooked up with Caitlin is because I actually work for Blue Shield, the Blue Shield USA, the EMF protection products. So yeah, the, the biggest thing she wanted, she wanted to talk about my free births because I had, I had unassisted home births with both of my kids. And then also I, I know a lot about EMF protection and Blue Shield in particular. And that's a, you know, that's a big topic these days with, uh, when it comes to pregnancy and newborns and just children in general and, and EMFs, like the dangers of EMFs. Oh man, it's, it's perfect, Courtney. It was so fun I, when I reached out to you and I had no idea that you were a home birth mom as well. And actually the first time that I reached out to you, I was asking, you know, if someone would come on the, the consider coming on the podcast. And that's when you shared that you had had home births, mm -hmm. that Natalie, the, the co-owner has had home births. And it was like, what? This is... <laughs> these are my people. This is, this is so amazing. So I'm thrilled to be able to marry the two subjects because um, EMF mitigation has become really important in, in my life. Um, and then obviously home birth is, is yeah. extremely important. So this yeah. is, these two conversations with you and Natalie are, are, are so exciting to me. Yeah, I know. And I, I, I do, I do uh, like all the, yeah, all our affiliates I, I kind of like connect with all of our affiliates and like develop relationships with them and when I first heard from you I was like I was super stoked too I was like yeah home birth Woo so yeah I know well, it's so perfect I was, I was stoked to talk to you and I was stoked for the opportunity to come on your show too oh it's gonna be so great and and that being the case I would love for us to go ahead and jump in with your birth stories mm -hmm. so you had both of your your births at home unassisted, um, all by your loan. <laughs> like, that's what my, my daughter used to say, I'll do it all by my loan, um, but all by yourself. Um, and I I'm curious to hear how did you decide on this? Like when you first became pregnant, let's start from there. Mm -hmm. So with my son, Cedar, that's his name, um, or 14 years ago at this point, um, I became pregnant with him and it really home birthing was never a question for me. It was always just going to be the case because I was born at home and my two sisters were born at home too. My, my mom had a, you know, she had three home births. They were attended by midwives and like a holistic doctor attended my birth. So yeah, she's, we always grew up really holistic and home birth was completely normalized in our household. And we grew up, you know, three, three sisters. Like we, you know, we were three girls. We knew, we knew all about just, you know, how that how that went for her and it just it just sounded so much more peaceful and we you know we heard stories about just hospital births and you know you see like on on tv like in the media just you know how stressful like the hospital birth is and like all the all the complications and everything is just like treated like an emergency and just like that never appealed to me and honestly also i'm just not a type of person who seeks out doctors or for really much of anything i do a ton of my own research i've you know, I honestly, I've actually never been to a hospital except for to visit my niece when she was born. It's the, literally the only time I set foot into a hospital. So it's a totally foreign place to me. For me, it's not my comfort zone at all. So the idea of ever going in there for any reason, it would, I would have, it would have to be like, I have to be like dying, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. So that was never even a question to me The the uh, unassisted thing that was uh not something I was really expecting because I didn't really know about that. I didn't, I never heard the term free birth before. I don't even know if free birth was even a term 14 years ago. Um, but 
um, at the time, my uh, my son's father, who's a who's different than my my daughter's father. He was a previous relationship. Um, he's very holistic too, and his he had a previous relationship with two other children, and she had free births. She had two free births and he was the only person there. So I heard about that and I was like, well, she can do it. I can do it too. Like, you know, we're made to do this. Right. It's like, so I did some research, but I kind of went into it, you know, just kind of based on feeling like I, I was like, I, I trust my body. I'm really healthy. I have like really good nutrition. I don't have any health issues. Like, you know, I, yeah, I treat myself for so many different things like nutritionally and like with herbs and supplements and things like that. I like, you know, I've, so I was like, I can totally do this. Like, and also I had the, I had the, uh, a little bit of the idealism of like going into a first birth where you don't really know what to expect and you don't actually know how intense it's going to be. So I was like, okay, I can do this. And, and, uh, so my pregnancy went great. I had like a wild, what they call a wild pregnancy, which is where you don't see any medical providers. Cause like I said, I don't really do that anyway. So, you know, I did all my healthy stuff and, was out in nature a lot going for walks and just getting a lot of fresh air and sleeping really well and all that stuff. And just overall, it was a really good pregnancy. My, uh, my only thing at the time is I was, I was actually a raw vegan, um, at the, during my first, my first, so I, I feel like, you know, later in my pregnancy, I kind of like ran low on energy. Like I had a, I was really like tired in my third trimester. Um, but it was also like a Texas summer. So it was like really, really hot. And I was in my third trimester. You know how that is. It's, uh, you know, you get really hot later on in pregnancy. So, but yeah, I was just really, it felt really fatigued and tired. And, um, I think I got a little depleted from, from, you know, not having like optimal nutrition. Cause I, I'm an omnivore now, but I eat super high quality foods, but yeah, back then I was a raw vegan. Um, it's funny because like I listened to Natalie's interview with you and she was talking about how she met Brandon and I've actually known Brandon for a super long time. We met through the raw food thing. We were both like wow. old school raw vegans like way back and he ran he ran like these big Kansas City groups like these super huge like events in Kansas City and I ran the super huge events in Dallas which is a huge population center too. So I would have all these meetups and raw food potlucks and things like that. So I was like re- I've been really into like healthy stuff for a while like obviously my diet has evolved over time kind of like his too so yeah that's that's kind of actually how i got originally connected with brandon and natalie is i knew him from from like 15 years ago <laughs> that is so cool yeah yeah for sure definitely so we all we ha- have that common bond like we're all kind of all the blue shield team is into like super health like healthy living and holistic living and all of that stuff so that's kind of where we all kind of have a common bond but yeah so back to my pregnancy um yeah, I was a raw vegan. Anyway, um, my, he was, I went into labor with him naturally at 41 weeks and four days, I believe it was. So I went, you know, over for sure, but I was not worried about it at all. I knew I was like, yeah, I just, I was trying to prepare because I'd been traveling for a lot of my pregnancy and I was trying to, Mm -hmm. to, uh, get everything situated. I was like having super like major nesting urges, um, like, like in just a couple of months because we had just settled in to a new place in texas like like one month before i ended up going into labor so i was like busy nesting i was like i'm not quite ready yet like don't come until i'm ready kind of thing it's like i'm ready but i'm not ready kind of thing but anyway he waited till he was ready and i didn't have any prodromal labor like any like signs of impending labor until i went to labor in the middle of the night and uh so i had this uh I had this assumption at the time um, 
when I went to labor with him that or and beforehand that like because I was a raw vegan like I'd, I knew some people who were like raw vegans who had super fast births who were, like you know went to labor and like give birth like 90 minutes later or something like that I was like oh I'm just assuming that's going to be my experience because you know I was idealistic and I was like well that's going to be me because I'm like different than those people or whatever so I go into labor at 3 a.m I like have you know yeah have like what feels like menstrual cramps and I'm like okay well this this is it let's uh and I was too excited to go back to sleep so I woke up Cedar's dad and we were like all excited and I was like I probably should rest some more but um I just want to get up and set up the birth tub and like get my little uh placenta herbs ready because I had I was gonna like put like rosemary and salt in my placenta to preserve it because we were gonna do a lotus birth and I'm, I'm sure you, you might have People might know about lotus birth. It's like where you leave the placenta attached until it falls off naturally. So we were preparing those herbs and, and so I was in labor. It was just like a really gradual thing that picked up just really slowly. And I've kind of since learned that's how my body works. Like I just kind of like ease into things not like slowly and it doesn't get super intense right away. So we pretty much, I pretty much went through the whole next day and into the night so I'd been awake since 3 a.m. And then I'm I'm going at my about 3 p.m. that 12 hours later or whatever, I started getting, it was getting a lot stronger. Like I was kind of having a hard time breathing through stuff. And I think my, my mental expectations of it being a quicker, a quicker labor, like I was like mentally fatigued and I hadn't eaten either. I like had barely eaten any food. And that's something I learned too, is like sleep and eat in early labor because you're not going to be able to do it later on. <laughs> so uh i was like kind of running on fumes i was trying to eat a little bit of like honey and coconut or something i was drinking lots of coconut water um end up going all throughout the next night and ended up birthing him at 7 a.m but so the whole next night was really like for sure active labor for sure like transition time right around then too and then i ended up pushing with him for like two and a half hours like by the pushing stage, when I started getting the fetal ejection reflex, which totally happened with me, like I got the urge to push and I was like, oh, right, here we go. Because that, that was like a huge turning point for me. You get that natural kick of adrenaline where it's like it's like an energy, it's like an energy pickup because you get, I, for me, I like get really fatigued in, in like late labor where we're like, okay, well, how many more contractions is going to be before it's time to push the baby out? So that was a real distinct shift when I shifted over to the pushing phase and I was... I just took it, I guess I just took it real slow and I had never had a baby before too. So I was kind of more cautious about the process, but I was totally in, like engaging with the pushes and I guess he just took a while. I didn't tear at all. I, he, he just popped out and I was, uh, you know, I was on my bed. Uh, I was kind of leaning on my bed in kind of like a, a half kneeling, half squatting position when his head came out. And then I think his body came out in this next push. It's hard to even remember because during that that last several hours, and I literally felt like I was having a psychedelic experience. Like mm -hmm. I literally like walked into the bathroom because I was like pacing back and forth like during contractions and late labor. I looked at my at myself in the mirror and my pupils were dilated. Like I like I was having a psychedelic experience for real. I was like in the other dimensions. I was like going out to the cosmos to like retrieve my baby. <laughs> and I think that's such that's such a great metaphor. You know, they say that we uh, you know, we go up to the stars to retrieve the souls of our baby and bring them to the earth. Like that's that's about where labor feels like. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I was in a total altered state and 
yeah, I put, pushed him out. I was like, you know, elated. Once that that feeling when the baby's body slides out, especially if they've been in the birth canal for a long time, that is like the most blissful feeling I've ever had in my life. Especially, you know, unmed unmedicated births where you can feel all of that. And then your body, like in reaction to to the pain or the intensity produces all those endorphins once the pain is gone you're just left with the endorphins and it's like there's nothing like that experience it's like the best feeling on earth like mm -hmm. it's a it's a peak experience for me it's like the ultimate rite of passage it's the ultimate like high it's really the ultimate high oh for 100 percent agree with you and <laughs> And it's, I love how you said that because I don't think I've ever thought of it in that exact way where it's like, you've got, you've got the discomfort, you've got the intensity, the pain and the endorphins. And then once that, that pain goes away, it's straight endorphins, straight oxytocin, just yeah. so overwhelming. And yeah, that lasted for me for like six weeks <laughs> with my first, especially just like so so high like out of my mind not not in normal everyday caitlin mode so far gone in the best way for sure i feel like yeah i feel like that unmedicated birth like that and those endorphins should last through the whole postpartum phase yeah. that's the whole point is like postpartum is like a stepping out of uh stepping out of your normal life and it's like the it's the healing the bonding like yeah you're in a totally different state and that's how it should be and like that's, I've never, you know, I've ne the idea to me of taking, you know, I can understand, like, if, like, yeah, like, I don't, totally don't judge people who want to, like, you know, avoid the pain and just do, yeah, do, do that whole thing. But for me, that's like, that would be, like, robbing me of, like, a major rite of passage and a, and a major, like, peak experience. Like, for me, yeah. I want to, I want to go through that. Like, I want that intensity because I feel like it's going to make me, make me a better person. And not just yep. that, but, you know, prepared for motherhood, too. I feel like birth really does prepare us for motherhood. Oh, man, Courtney, you're speaking my language. <laughs> <laughs> I could not agree with you more. And you are just so succinct with all of this. It's just, mm -hmm. it's so perfect. I completely agree. And yes, it is. It It feels to me the same way, this idea of if I didn't experience that, what would I have missed? You know, like what, what incredible journey I had and the hard and the, the beautiful, like both aspects of that are so important in my journey as a mother. Um, yeah. So yeah, I totally agree. And I am curious to hear. So you said immediate elation once mm -hmm. Cedar was born. What, yeah. what was that like postpartum and re having the placenta released and all of that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, okay, so I, I, he came out, his dad caught him, um, you know, looked at him, he's like, he's perfect. Of course, he his head's a little cone-shaped because he was in the birth canal for so long, which totally went away in the first, like, couple hours. But anyway, he's like, perfect, he's moving around, he's making little sounds, he's not cry crying at all, he's just, like, totally peaceful and, like, alert. Um, and then we kind of, we all walked to the bathtub cause I actually had filled up the bathtub with the idea of like, maybe I'll want to do a water birth, but my bathtub was not comfortable. So, and I didn't really realize that until mid labor. I was like, this thing is not comfortable. There's no way I'm going to give birth in the bathtub. But anyway, we went back into the bathtub to like, you know, get in there and I was going to like, maybe we're going to like bond a little bit in there. And I didn't really expect my placenta to come so soon, but it came within five minutes. Wow. So yeah, that came out, but. I didn't really know at the time to like that, you know, you lose all that 
blood and like all that stuff when the placenta comes out and i like stood up to get out of the bathtub right after i birthed the placenta and ended up passing out (laughs) so i fell down someone caught me like like my mom or something i don't didn't get injured or anything but i definitely passed out Mm -hmm. and then as soon as i came to like literally i felt like i'd been reborn like i was a totally new person like i had gotten i had been born for the first time like i was just being born and my baby was just born at the same time we were totally in the same place like he was with me and it was just like i can't even describe it that was one of the most amazing experiences i feel like it was a total reset for my whole Mm -hmm. life at the time like it was life it was like courtney part two Oh yeah, yeah, like volume two. It re- I, yeah. when you said that, it just reminds me of the Bright Eyes song, first day of my life. Like this yeah. is the first day of my life, no, and it's it, just like, that's what it is. It's it is total totally rebirth. Like that. Yeah, for sure, that totally felt like that. Yeah, so we got super bonded. You know, just like the first night is always kind of this surreal thing where you don't even like remember it really because it's just this whole blur of like sleeping in and out, catching up from missing a whole night of sleep, and then, you know, breastfeeding for the first time. Breastfeeding went great. Like, he lapsed right away, and it was, that all went great. You know, I had sore nipples for a few days, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't like a big, yeah, it just went well overall. Um, And when I, I did have, I was a little bit, like, bound to my bed for about a month, because my hip got kind of thrown out from the birthing process. Like I got, I had this, like, I couldn't walk very well for like a month because yeah, I guess like the way my hips moved when I was giving birth, just like, yeah, just made it kind of painful for a while. So that made me rest for a month (laughs) and I was, and I was able to, you know, regain mobility really slowly. And I'm usually used to being really active. So that was, it was like, my body made me slow down for that first month. But then I just, yeah. yeah it, so I was able to like honor the, the postpartum period without even intentionally doing so. It was just something that happened automatically. Yeah, it you was know, great. I feel like for first time mothers, if, if we could pretend that we all had our hip knocked out of place, yes. that would probably be the best thing for us to do because uh-huh. you can feel so good. Like, I mean, Courtney, you're talking about how amazing you felt, how elated yeah. you felt. How easy would it have been for you to just like, oh, everything's good. I'm back to normal. <laughs> Actually, that's what I did with Jade, my second uh-huh. birth, because I did feel awesome right away, but I had an issue from that. And I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit. So it was a total lesson. Uh, um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll skip to Jade's birth unless you want to say yeah. anything else. Oh, um, perfect. Let's do it. So, um, like 10 ish years later, we, w- we had been, um, all traveling for a while. We just, you know, we traveled all throughout the West. We did a lot of like nature, like off grid living, a lot of like camping and just really sim- simplistic, minimalist living. Um, and we were in Montana. Um, we were, we were caretaking for a friend of ours who has this whole homestead with like Icelandic sheep and chickens and, um, this like house that he built himself like this like super cool like stone masonry like log house that he built himself anyway we were like we were caretaking this property for like six months it was like a totally awesome property and i guess we felt like so comfortable that it was time for jade to come in (laughs) so jade was uh oh and i forgot to say this about cedar too is i knew so i never thought i was gonna have kids when i was young for some reason i just never felt like the mom type like when i looked around at like how moms are i was like i'm not that type of person i'm not like 
a coddly type person who just wants to like you know I don't know it just like didn't resonate with me the way I saw things around me but I just had this uh I was in this like really deep meditation just doing this kind of like consciousness journey thing this something called imagination activation it's like a, a method where you kind of like where you kind of see where you are and or where you're yeah, where your future self is and then you remember what you did to get there it's this whole process that's like really cool and it can kind of allow access to parts of your psyche that you or parts of your subconscious that you didn't even, weren't even aware of anyway i just got this super strong vision this was like this was four months before i conceived cedar um i got this super strong vision of me in this beautiful grassy meadow with my two kids i was like my two kids what I didn't think I was going to have kids, but after that vision, I, I just fell in love with the idea. And I realized that I can be the, whatever kind of mom I want to be. I can be mm -hmm. like, you know, the adventure mom, the nature mom, the one who's like, you know, yeah. And, and the, also the, just the really chill mom who's not like helicoptering over her kids and just like gently guiding them in, in, you know, in a way that's like way more my vibe. So of course, uh, I, and I just, I just knew the boy was going to be the first first one and I was going to have a girl later. So somehow I just knew that. And then when I conceived Cedar, I was like, oh, that's definitely a boy. I didn't even pick out a girl's name. I was like, Cedar, this is Cedar. If it's a girl, I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just like, because I never, you know, never found out their gender. And then, of course, he came out a boy. So with Jade, she had been like, I feel like I have felt her presence for probably about five years prior to conceiving her. Like I, I felt her as kind of like a guardian spirit. I would, I would even like ask her for help sometimes when I was like going through a hard time. I was like, can you help me with this? Cause I knew I felt her energy and I knew who she was like as a being. And she, she was just in hanging out in my field for so many years through like all our adventure years and everything. And uh, so of course in Montana, as soon as I realized I was pregnant, I was like, Oh, it's Jade. <laughs> Cause we had, cause we had in California, we had this, uh, uh, my husband Hunter, um, we had this, we, we lived in yurt and we had this little, little, uh, uh, succulent plant outside that was called a baby Jade. And he was like, if we, when we, if we do have a kid someday, we could, we could, uh, we could name her Jade and we could call her baby Jades. I was like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> sounds perfect. <laughs> I love that. So, so she was always Jade in my mind, and you know, I didn't know if we were ever going to get to a point where we were going to, it was going to be right to have her. So I was like, even if she's just a, you know, a guardian energy for me for my whole life, that'd be okay. And and yet we both wanted, you know, we both wanted to have her in in our family, in our physical family. So we found out I was pregnant, and we thought, of course, like we didn't think we were ready as far as timing goes. But once we found out, we were totally stoked. Um, so I got to have this awesome pregnancy in Montana where, you know, not only was I not a raw vegan anymore, but we were eating like the highest quality, to most awesome animal foods. We were, uh, you know, my husband were, was fishing rainbow trout in high mountain lakes. And we actually did process one of the Icelandic sheep on the property. So we processed that ourselves. And it was this whole, the whole thing was super synchronistic, like the timing of everything and like the, the choosing of the animal too. Like it almost like chose us, like we chose it. And then it showed anyway, it was, it was crazy, but that ended up nourishing me during my pregnancy. And then we also had, uh, had harvested this, uh, really fresh roadkill elk on the side of the road. So we, we 
process that too. So I had this all this elk meat and the sheep meat. And it was like totally this like this like wild, super hardy energy, which is totally Jade. That's like totally her personality. She's like she's wild, she's super hardy, she's totally full of life and spirit. <laughs> and I knew that. I knew that as soon as as soon as I was like pregnant with her. I'd like even when I just first started feeling her kicks, I, I knew I was like, those are really strong legs. Like I felt yeah. like those legs are, that's something I know about her. She has high vitality. She has really strong legs and she's has very strong legs. She's like a super climber. She can climb like anything at age two and a half. <laughs> Courtney, this is the, it's so fun to hear this uh, with my, with my oldest, when I, when we conceived, I knew, I knew immediately. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, we're pregnant. It's a girl. Her name is Janie. And she's, she's intense. Like she's got, she's the same high vitality. Like that's the perfect, she is strong. She is high vitality. And I started feeling her kicks crazy early on, like to the point where like people around me were like, are you sure? And I'm like, listen, I recognize that I'm 13, 14 weeks long, but I promise you, I feel this child. And it just like kept building and building and I, it never changed. You know, it was her. And now I'm like, yeah, that checks out. That's Janie. She's always been Janie. Like she's always been that from the very, very beginning. It's just so incredible. I love hearing that. Yeah. Like I feel like I knew them like so early, just Mm -hmm. you can feel them, you know, it's like, yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. So, so so I had half my pregnancy in Montana and then we moved to Texas because we were done, done with the, uh, the caretaking there. And then we came back to Texas because our families are here and we wanted to, we, you know, especially since I was going to be bringing a new baby, we're very close to our family. Like I'm very close to my parents. They're, you know, they were, they were the home birthing, homeschooling parents in the eighties, which is not, you know, not super common. No, that's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've always maintained a good connection with them and they've, they were, you know, they've always loved like being Cedar's grandparents. So, you know, bringing a new baby, it was just the timing was like totally lined up because my grandma was uh, my grandma had cancer. So she was about to she was in her last few months of life. And I and my mom asked me if we would come back to Texas just to to be with her, be with everyone during that last time. And I was like, well, we should come back anyway because I'm pregnant. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we set up a little set up a little spot and uh, um yeah, spent the last few months of my pregnancy here in Texas and my birth. So with Jade, I, I for some reason, my, I assumed she was going to come quicker than my last one. But she, as far as like soon, I was going to go into labor sooner. So I ha- ended up having prodromal labor, like not super strongly, but way more than last time. And I was like a lot of kind of like false starts or whatever. So I was doing, you know, for Blue Shield, I was doing like phone customer service at the time and, you know, really involved in that. But I had like right around 40 weeks, I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to start my maternity leave now because it's time for me to like focus on this. Like maybe, maybe she's going to come soon or whatever. And so I waited until 41 weeks and six days, almost 42 weeks. And I finally went into labor with her. So she was a 42 weeker, but you know what? I was, I was a 42 weeker too. So I should expect that. <laughs> and then Cedar <laughs> almost was too. So, you know, we get the full, we get the full cooking in the oven. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> we are fully done. Yeah. So, sure. All right. I, yeah. Wow. So we're, we're a go. Like I had, uh, you know, done all the things, you know, uh, to get, 
all the all the natural stuff to get labor started but not anything like strong like really strong herbs or castor oil i was like no i want it to be gentle you know i was eating dates and taking drinking red raspberry leaf tea and going on lots of walks doing you know intimacy so that day the day i went to labor with her i had went on a two mile walk i was like let's do some walking and i started just like feeling a little different that day like my back was feeling a little sore just like feeling a little different and i was like i think today might be the day like my prodermal labor from the night before like never totally went away so got back and i was realized i was definitely in labor around 4 p.m and it just started real slowly and i was like really enjoying the sensations because i you know because i there had been so many times when i thought i was in labor and i wasn't i was like i'm definitely in labor this time so this is awesome let's go like so i was totally just riding the waves and yeah it was felt really nice i i uh made sure to eat a nice meal so i had a really nice dinner some like uh a nice pancake dinner. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna eat some pancakes right now, <laughs> just to have you know the energy to get through the labor. Because I was like, I was like, you know, if this is a long labor like last time, I want to have the energy to get through it. Like, I want to be fueled up. And I got lots of coconut water and orange juice and things to like keep me hydrated and keep my electrolytes up and good supplements. Like I, um, that that Shen Blossom uh, carries this uh, supplement called Biocean Minerals, which is basically like a marine plasma. Um, it's it's like a super pure mineral supplement because it's like purified ocean plasma. So it's not wow. even just ocean water. It's like the plasma from the ocean. It's like, it's really high in, it has this really good ratio of sodium to magnesium. So you need like a certain ratio of the two. Um, so it's kind of a sodium and magnesium supplement, like basically an electrolyte supplement, but it's like the totally natural form of electrolyte supplement. So I was putting that in coconut water and sipping on that just to keep my electrolytes up. Um, yeah, you're I would, covering them all there because then you've got the potassium from the coconut water. You're, exactly. You're exactly. You see my exact strategy. Yes. <laughs> so I went, I labored all night. It was just gradually picking up. And uh, my husband was like, I'm trying to stay awake. I'm like, don't try to stay awake. Just please go to sleep. You're going to, you're going to need to sleep at least. I, I, you know, I tried resting. I rested between contractions, but there was no way I was going to sleep. So this was just going to be another, you know, another late, another night of, or another labor where I have a, a, a sleepless night. And for me, that's funny, like kind of looking back on all that, like a lot of like really major, like rite of passage experiences I've had have involved sleepless nights where I get into kind of an alter state from, from uh, sleep deprivation. And then it kind of puts, kind of propels me into some new state in a certain way. So I see that now with both of my labors, like that was just, that was kind of an essential ingredient for me with it. But yeah, the next morning, you know, morning comes and I'm at this point, it was just my husband and I, and, um, my mom was on call. She was kind of like, well, just let me know if you need help. Um, so yeah, in the morning I was like, I, can you come over? I need some support. Cause I'm like really, really, really laboring. I was like really feeling it totally active labor. I was, could have been in transition right around s sometime in the morning or anyway, she's like, I'm like you know, laboring, like leaning against these pillows, just kind of on my hands and knees a little bit. And it just like is not the most comfortable position, but it's the only, I can't like move. I felt like I just couldn't even like change positions because it was so intense. So it was like, it was like taking my breath away and I was like, oh man. So finally, like my mom was like, can you just like, can you get into a different position maybe? Like something, like stand up or like 
go on a walk. I was like, I can't go on a walk. No way. <laughs> so I'm like, I literally like threw up a couple times because I was, I was definitely in transition at this point because I like literally threw up and I was like, it was so intense. Um, but I finally like got up and leaned, like stood up and leaned against these like, these like shelves. Like, so I was kind of leaning forward. My front was leaning forward, but I was basically standing up. So I had like gravity going and that's when things really started to go because for me i like need gravity because i think natalie was saying you know she like her waters don't break until right at the end and that's the case for me too and i wonder if that's a nutritional thing because if your placenta is super super nourished especially if you have the right herbs like you can have the strongest you know you can have the strongest uterus and the strongest like bag of waters and then everything is like really yeah your bag of waters is like almost impenetrable you know it takes a yeah. strong force to break it it's like so you know i know that vitamin c is connected to that for sure definitely and, and we both eat high vitamin c diets so yeah yeah that that and just everything else too like super yeah. high quality you know all that stuff down there so um yeah so i start i stood up and leaned against this cabinet thing and it helped me in managing the pain because i was able to grab really tightly onto the with my hands i did i did not want any pressure like i didn't want anyone to touch me i did not want any like people say they you know pregnant women say they like love the feeling of counter pressure or like someone pushing on them or massaging i'm like no way not at all like it was so painful it's like no don't touch me (laughs) but for me what ended up working was uh i was able to channel all of my all of that tension to my upper body like to my hands and then totally relax my lower half so once I was able to do that, like just dispersing the tension in a different way and utilizing gravity, I started getting, you know, my, the rest of my mucus plug out finally. And then eventually my waters came out, like everything started moving. And then at that point, it was just like transition was in so strong. I started getting fetal ejection reflex, um, started feeling the urge to push, but I did you know, I was kind of testing it a little bit. I was like, I don't know. Okay. Is this the real thing? I'm not totally sure. Am I, am I totally ready to push her out? I didn't want to do any pushing until my body was totally ready, even though I was starting to get those urges. So I would do a little bit and then like, yeah, my mom just kind of looked down there. She was like, I I can see her head in there. Like, and so she was like at my cervix, but not in the birth canal yet. And once she got once I started pushing and she was in the birth canal, I like popped that baby out because yeah. I, <laughs> I was like, I'm, cause I wouldn't know it was not quiet either. I was super loud. Like, I don't even know what sound I made. It was a sound that I've never made before in my life. <laughs> I just remember I was like, what is that sound? Oh yeah, that's me. <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> it really is. It's like you've turned into a wild animal. Mm-hmm. but I like I just I was just like I need to get this baby out right now I like had this like it was like this adrenaline kind of like almost like claustrophobic feeling where I'm like I felt this claustrophobia of like the only way out is through I gotta get this thing done it was like that adrenaline kick of it's just like a survival thing of like get the baby out because we all need it out you know everyone needs the baby out so yeah I popped her popped her head out like the, yeah one contraction I like it was a pushing contraction and I pushed twice during that contraction and she went all the way through the birth canal and her head popped out the f- right then. And so my husband was, I was standing up, I pushed her head out standing up and then my husband was behind me and 
he said that when her head came out, she literally opened her eyes and locked eyes with him. Stared, oh. looked straight in his eyes immediately, like right when she came, right when her head popped out. It was wow. like, and to him, that was like such an impactful experience. Yeah, I can imagine. That's incredible. Yeah, it's, and that's that also goes to show it's like the she was so ready. She was like, you know, waiting till 42 weeks. She was like so perfectly ready. She's like, now is the time. I'm not early. I'm right on time. Like I'm totally fully developed and I'm ready to come in this, come out into this world. So yeah. there's just so many, you know, there's so many reasons to wait, to wait, to, you know, go into labor naturally. It just, they're just different babies when you do that. Like, I mean, when she, when I got the rest of her body out and, you know, she was, I had like, she, I guess I had like a super long umbilical cord because like it was like wrapped around her neck one time and then under her shoulder another time and we like carefully unwrapped her you know that's like a variation of normal too that's not that's not usually a big deal because you know you're the baby's descending and your placenta is descending at the same time so they're gonna go at the same rate there's not gonna be like a pulling or strangling thing as they say um it's a necklace not a noose (laughs) about the umbilical cord going around their neck (laughs) So yeah, I, I was aware of that. And I was like, all right, well, get this thing around her, out of uh, around her neck. It was like not an emergency; it was just a, a thing that we had to do, you know, thing mm-hmm. to attend to. But yeah, she was moving immediately, and like she was had her eyes open right away, and she was making little sounds, not crying at all. She literally did not even cry at all for like five hours after she was born. She, she was just so interested in things. She has these huge eyes because like my husband has really pretty big eyes and then she got his eyes i was like i was hoping she would and she totally did <laughs> i'm like oh my gosh you're so beautiful oh <laughs> yeah she's wow. so precious anyway she yeah we uh so this time learning from my previous experience with birth i yeah i knew by i thought my i knew my placenta was probably gonna come out pretty quick because that's they just do that um so after we had bonded for a few minutes and just done all the super sweet stuff felt all the endorphin super bonding stuff i like i just like i was sitting down i just like felt like i wanted to birth the placenta so i you know lift just kind of lifted my butt up a little bit and just pushed it out (laughs) with everything and then we just put that aside and we kept her attached for a few hours um to the umbilical cord just so it would it would just until it totally dried up because this time i wanted to i wanted to consume my placenta i wanted to try that out because i hadn't done that last time but i also wanted her to get all of the you know, all the nutrients and all the blood from the placenta. So I was like, let's wait, pl- give it plenty of time until it literally like there's, there can't be anything else going through that, that cord. And that, that was like a few hours later. And we finally did a little, we cut it when it was pretty hard and, and white. So she totally got everything from the placenta. Um, she lashed really easily. She breastfeeding was great with her too. Yeah. It's that, that's those uh, full term babies. <laughs> they just, uh, they just super high vitality. <laughs> They're hungry. <laughs> They're ready. Yeah, totally. So anyway, this time I I didn't uh, didn't have any issues after birthing my placenta. No, no passing out or anything. I just because I'm like I I know that there's like a lot of fluid shifting. It's like you gotta you know gotta stay on the floor. Don't be running around afterwards. <laughs> so no yeah, sudden movements. Exactly. So it's cool. You know, it, when you take responsibility for your own experience and you're not uh, outsourcing responsibility to medical professionals especially like doctors who want to find issues with everything then you have learning experiences you're like oh i could have done that a little differently but it was all okay like it it was 
and like yeah there's so yeah. many instances like that i had some learning experiences but they all both my births went great overall like um so i did i did start making placenta smoothies with my raw placenta like the next day and i felt so good within three days i gave myself like a few like two or three days before i started getting up and moving around and i felt so good i was like i, was, I felt so good I was like ready to have my body back. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not pregnant anymore. I can like go on hikes and I can like do yoga and all this stuff. Up. And then like two weeks postpartum, I had like, you know, my my uh, postpartum bleeding had pretty much stopped, and by that time, and uh, but then I had this gush of blood, and Natalie said the same thing. She said she had this too with her first birth, like a major gush of blood, and it freaked me out. So I was like, I don't know. Okay, what's going on here? Like, am I, maybe I'm just doing too much too soon. So I rested a little bit more and then started to kind of be a little more active again. And then it happened again. And then over the course of two weeks, this happened five times, like wow. big gushes of blood freaked me out. I was like, I was like, oh gosh, what's this about? Like the, by the, the fifth time I like had to get a serious reality check. I was like, okay, well, I can't just keep doing this. Like, Am I going to have to go see someone? So I, I like really thought it through, did some research. I was like, what could they even like realistically do? They'll probably like try to do a DNC, try to get, you know, I'll uh, go through this whole trauma and it'll be for nothing. And they'll just tell me to go home and have bed rest because I didn't have any signs of like retained placenta. I didn't have any fever, or any signs of that. So I was like, I ruled out a lot of things. I was like, I probably just did too much too soon. So I need to have a postpartum. I need to have a focused healing postpartum phase, which I I jumped right back into my, my everything life. But I didn't have that. My I didn't throw out my hip this time. I was like, I felt great. I felt like so good. It was like, like I could just, like you know, <laughs> I could felt go on a too good. <laughs> yeah, I felt too good. Exactly. So I learned my lesson and I literally committed to the whole postpartum uh, protocol of like one week on the bed, one week in the bed, one week on the bed and one week around the bed. So I'm like, yeah, so to me, that's like a huge deal. That's a lot of time to be sitting still. And that's, I'm a really active person. That's like, it was actually really hard for me. So I did lots of journaling. I got a lot of help with baby because like walking her, people walking her around. And it was like such a, I'm, just, I'm so like, self-sufficient usually i'm used to just like doing all the dishes and making food and just doing this thing and that thing and jumping around doing all these things it's just like i just like that and i like to be like that mm -hmm. i like to go i like to be active go on walks and get a change of scenery and so that was like it was a really important experience for me and i'm really glad i did that because i think if i had not had that experience and just felt good and rush back into my life i would have like missed out actually on that that kind of like that liminal space of the postpartum mm -hmm. period where you transition from you know your old life into your new life i think that's really important and yeah. that was totally my lesson from that because once i totally committed to that and did those two or three weeks of like total rest I, that didn't happen again. So I, I, I just, I needed more time to heal. And yeah. so that, that bleeding never happened again. And, and it was all good after that. It only took your body telling you five times. So I yeah. mean, you know, 
sometimes we need to learn. Sometimes we need to hear it five times before we get the get the lesson. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, but that is incredible, and I'm so glad that you did. You did stop. You know, and, and it was in a lot of ways your body forcing you. Like, no, yeah. Courtney, you will rest. Exactly. And 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 your body did know best in that in that yeah. realm. And that time is so precious for bonding. And I do think that, especially like you know, modern American culture even more so than I think, you know, your crunchy and holistic lifestyle. Busyness is the king, you know, like I have got to get back. I've got to be back to where I was before. And it can really, it can be so hard for us to stop and slow down and reprioritize um, and realize like, no, this slow, simple living is, is really what is critical for me and critical for my baby too. So having that time with Jade, was so important exactly and with myself too just with my healing body because you know i don't think that yeah you're right uh moms are always focused on like how do i get back to how i was before but the truth is we do not go back to that ever we go forward we go forward into the new version of ourselves, and we need that time that pause time to find out who that person is like who is this person i've become like you need to sit with that for a while you cannot go back to the person you were before and if you do that you're it's not going to be right you know you're a new person you went from the maiden to the mother and you you know we do that multiple times with multiple births yep and i think that that is honestly one of the biggest things that creates so much discontent and discomfort and disembodiment a lot of dis uh in our in our motherhood and i i see so many moms struggling this with this specifically yeah. like i don't feel like i don't feel right this isn't how i wanted to feel this isn't I don't know who I am anymore. I've lost myself. And and I think that it very much could be that, you know, at like I said, as a society, we are not emphasizing the importance of this time, the importance of this transitional time into this new role, into this new you. Um, like you said, it's a new, it's a new volume. It's a totally new Courtney. Um, we need to exactly. appreciate that. Yeah, exactly. That's huge. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing these stories. Absolutely incredible. And I, you just explained things so wonderfully. That was such a joy. Um, I'm now excited for us to switch topics, though they really and truly, it's so similar. Um, you know, you said something earlier, like taking radical responsibility, um, you know, not outsourcing. We're not outsourcing our health to other people. We're not outsourcing our birth to other people. That is very similar to how I feel at least about um, EMF mitigation and not just that, but protecting our families as a whole. But uh, EMFs, electromagnetic fields, that has become, at least for me and my family, a huge aspect of caring for our health. Um, So yeah, I know that you are very, very knowledgeable um, in terms of EMFs. So I asked my listeners questions um, and sent them to you. So we've got a a good list of questions for us to kind of go through. Um, And I'm so excited (laughs) because uh, the first one is do EMFs and and we can, I'd love for you to give like a brief uh, explanation of just Mm -hmm. what are EMFs, um, Mm -hmm. but then do they actually impact development? You know, are they actually dangerous for babies? Is there any research on any of this? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so EMFs uh, stand for electromagnetic fields, and that is, uh, it's the it's a field that's produced by an elect electric current 
that produces a magnetic field and they're coupled together. So it's an electric field and a magnetic field. They're all like, and well, the ones we're talking about are from man-made technology. There's a lot of, a huge spectrum of EMFs. So there's, if we have, we actually have an article on the Blue Shield website about the electromagnetic spectrum, which explains the whole thing from like the super low frequency, which is like the 60 Hertz power like your house, like the, you know, your, your mains power and like electric lines and things like that. So that's considered extremely low frequency. And it goes all the way up to like uh, microwave radio frequency, which is a way higher frequency. And that's what our, our, you know, our cell phones and cell towers and Wi-Fi and smart devices, those are the higher frequencies those those all operate on. And all of them over thousands of studies have been shown to have uh, damaging effects on all living organisms, not just humans, but literally honeybees and animals. Um, yeah, all life, like good bacteria. Literally, it will it will actually derange your your uh, the good bacteria in your gut. So there's like it has this like huge like from the microcosm to the macrocosm, it has it has uh, harmful effects, and it's because of the you know uh, nature produces EMFs. So we're, we're actually, we're actually bathed in frequencies all the time, but the frequencies that we've, you know, grown alongside, like as humans throughout human history have been, have had very gentle patterns. Like they're never repetitive frequencies. They're not just hammering on the same frequency over and over again. It's kind of like a symphony. So if you were able to hear, you know, these frequencies, we can't hear with our ears because they're outside of the, the hearing range, outside of the range of what we can hear. Um, and they're electromagnetic and not acoustic. So you can hear acoustic signals, but not electromagnetic ones. So we can't hear them, but our cells can hear them. And if we, if we could hear them with our ears, the, the, the frequencies in nature would sound like a symphony. They'd sound beautiful and they'd sound harmonic. And, and you know, you can get an idea of that if you go to a natural, a, a, like a wild area in nature and listen, and there's like a waterfall and then you hear the leaves rustling and you hear birds, various birds chirping, like literally there's, there's repeating patterns, but there's never going to be the exact same combination of frequencies happening at exactly the same time ever. There's no repetition in nature. There's repeated patterns, but there's never going to be this exact repetition. And our cells have adapted to that, that variety. It's like we get a rich, full experience. It's like getting all the full spectrum of nutrients. Like if you think about physical nutrients, you're getting, you know, if you eat a widely varied diet, you're going to get a full spectrum of nutrients. But if you just are exposed to the same frequency all the time, you're, it's like you're taking one nutrient, like you're living on uh, vitamin C capsules or something, and you don't eat any other food. It's something like that. Like eventually you're going to get allergic to that nutrients. And it's, it's the exact same way with, with frequencies because our, our, our bodies, you know, all of our cells are electrochemical. They respond to electricity. They respond to voltage. Um, and they're going to respond to all external frequencies around us. So, so going into, uh, going into, uh, development and babies. And yes, there is actually is a lot of research on children and, pregnant women and you know infants and how you know especially like fertility issues there's an increased risk of miscarriage if you're in in a certain like having high exposure to 
um, e low frequency or radio frequency fields. Um, there's links to birth defects because it the exposure to these frequent these uh, these repetitive frequencies that are man-made. Um, it damages the cells and it mutates the cells and that can that's why it can result in miscarriages because the the egg cells become deformed and then they can't uh they can't gestate a, a healthy baby and then if they do gestate a healthy baby and you're still exposed to that that's why the birth defects so um and then when you do have children then the the EMS are linked to an increased uh, incidence of autism and ADHD and also childhood cancers, including leukemia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that one, it makes sense if, if it's clear, like by research that it is changing the cells that, you know, it's, it's making these cells have all of these, these changes. That's, I mean, that's what yeah. cancer is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's cell mutation and, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, and the, these frequencies, like the way our bodies react to the frequencies, it's uh, it it produces our bodies. They're they're foreign frequencies because they're repetitive, and the way that they're pulsed and modulated is, it the body is perceiving these frequencies as a physical invader, like a virus. So it thinks it's being attacked by something physical. So it mounts it. A really strong immune response so our immune system goes into overdrive kind of like an autoimmune condition where your immune system is constantly on constantly trying to attack something that it can't physically attack and defeat so it's it's pointless like mm. the immune the immune reaction is pointless because there's nothing there to attack and defeat so the immune response itself actually produces oxidative stress so even when your immune system ramps up for a period of time, like when you're sick and it actually kills off a virus, during that period of time, your immune, your own immune system is producing oxidative stress that your body has to recover from. But the, in the natural course of things, this immune response should calm down once the virus is eliminated and then you go back to homeostasis. You do some healing and you go back to homeostasis. But the problem with this is the immune response becomes chronic. So you're constantly producing oxidative stress from your own immune reaction and then oxidative stress is what creates DNA damage, which can then lead to mutate, cell mutation and all sorts of other, like an exhausted immune system too. So that, you know, you've been, you know, you've been putting off all this energy, like with your immune system reacting to this thing that you don't have, you don't have the energy left to fight off real threats, like actual viruses. And that's, that's why, you know, retroviruses, like the, there's, all of us have like these dormant like viruses in our body that's just part of living in this world like but our immune system keeps them dormant most of the time and these are called retrovirus or endogenous retroviruses we have an article about this um so when our immune system is in a state of chronic suppression these viruses can take that opportunity to wake up and take over and then we can get uh you know major chronic illness like lyme is one of those issues like epstein-barr virus a lot of like herpes virus all these things that become chronic viral conditions um are you know, uh, EMS can be a contributing factor to that. And it's not, this is not to say all of those things that I said, like about, you know, birth defects, miscarriages, autism are caused by EMFs, but they are probably caused by EMFs in some cases and are likely to at least be a contributing factor. Like yep. in all these, because it makes your, it makes it harder for your body to, to, to deal with everything else. All of the other challenges that our bodies have to deal with in life. So specifically, babies and children, um, 
They're more susceptible to EMFs because they have less developed immune systems. Their immune systems are still developing. Um, and of course, depression of the immune system is the first thing that happens with EMF exposure. Um, because they're growing, the bones of babies and children are still soft, so the EMFs more readily penetrate into their bone marrow. Their skulls are thinner and softer, so the EMFs penetrate deeper into their brains. Um, skulls don't even completely harden until about age 20, so even teens have this issue. And you know, these days, like teens got, they sleep with their phones under their pillows. Yes. <laughs> so yes. it's not a good situation. It's like, that's not going to, you know, they can't, they don't really have, a lot of teenagers don't really think long term about like how right. their habits now are going to affect like their their childbearing years like mm -hmm. or their families later on so this is something and just their, their own health their their, their heads their brains exactly their own long-term health exactly so they don't think about this so this is why like this education like needs to be spread far and wide so that they realize that too they realize that they're you know you know, put your phone away like put it on airplane mode like you know mm -hmm. go go take a walk you know stuff like that like got to keep that phone away from your head especially and that's something yeah. that um, I think about, like my generation, um, people that grew up right around my age, we were the first like kids or like teens to get cell phones pretty much. Like, you know, it, where it was like ubiquitous, like, you know, middle school, everyone's got a cell phone so by at least by eighth grade. We've all got cell phones growing up, going through high school with a cell phone attached to our heads. Yeah. No knowledge of EMFs at this point. Like for me, at least, I had no freaking clue. And yeah. now it's like, oh my gosh, I, I did not, I was not at a place where I could handle that responsibility, but I had no idea, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. And I'm a little bit, I'm, I mean, I'm a little bit luckier because I, my like cell phones became really, I'm a little bit older. I'm, I'm actually 40 right now. Um, I, when I was a teenager, we didn't have cell phones. So mm -hmm. it was me, for me, it was in, in my twenties when I started like using a cell phone. I even had a flip phone back then. I was way, I was not like on the cutting edge of like cell phone technology <laughs> because I was like such a nature person. I'm like, I'll use this a little bit. But for me, what I noticed so when I kind of woke up to the, the risks of EMFs, like I didn't even know anything about it. That was like back, you know, that was back like 20 years ago or 15 years ago when I really started thinking about this stuff, I had my flip phone and I would, you know, put it up against my head when I was making a call. And when I was talking on the phone on my little flip cell phone, I noticed that I would get a headache, like literally right under where the cell phone was on that, that exact spot on my head, like right under the cell phone. I got a super sharp piercing headache. I was like, oh, this is uh, interrupting. Whoa, this is weird. I'm going to change ears. So within a few minutes or sometimes less than a minute of changing ears, the, the headache on that side would go away and I would literally get a headache on the other side right under where the cell phone was. So like if that wasn't my body just like screaming at me like, hey, there's something here. You can't see it, but it's here and it's a danger. Like I kind of like flipped me out. I was like, whoa, this is like not safe. <laughs> Yeah, and that's when I stopped. That's when I stopped ever putting my cell phone up to my head. I'm like, I can't put that thing up to my head. This thing's dangerous. Wow. Yeah. So my body told me. I didn't read anything about this. My body told me. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that is that is incredible. And 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 being in tune though, like acknowledging this is telling me something, and then changing is is huge. Exactly. Um, so 
Yeah. Uh, th those are such good points. All of that. And, you know, I, that's what I had read about. I remember reading about um, like children's skulls and yeah. how, it, you know, EMS can penetrate so much deeper Exactly. And you know, the, the ramifications of that. And so keeping our technology far away, you know, it's yes. important to keep it even further from children, even than yourself, because yeah. it's going to go so much deeper in, into exactly. their soul. Exactly. We are more resilient, even though, you know, EMS definitely harm us too, but we are more yeah. resilient because we're fully developed. Our skulls mm -hmm. are all the way hard. Like, yeah, yeah they... Yeah, we need to be just real careful with them. It's, and the one thing that's really important too is uh, female children, especially. Um, you know, they're born with all the eggs in their ovaries, and the more consecutive years a girl is exposed to EMFs, the higher the risk of damage to her eggs. And damage to the eggs cannot be repaired once it's occurred. So protect the girls, man. Protect those little oh, girls. Gosh, I know. And uh, I, I think I might have mentioned this on the episode with Natalie, but I was saying how like I saw these teens at the beach this year with their cell phones in their bikinis. Like, <clears throat> oh my gosh, I just wanted to cry and tell them, so no, 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 you're, you're poor little ovaries. Yeah. So those little immature ovaries. Exactly. That's oh, so sad. Gosh. <laughs> okay. So, so now that we have this really clear understanding of this is what EMFs are. And yeah, they, they are a threat. They do yeah. pose a threat to our bodies. They inflame us on a cellular, cellular level. Mm -hmm. They lower our immune system to where all of these other opportunistic viruses, diseases can, uh, can come up and they're actually causing DNA damage, DNA changes, mm -hmm. um, that, that yeah, can lead to much larger problems. Yeah. Um, then a, a lot of, of moms ask this one. Uh, okay, so I I need a baby monitor. You know, like the, the, that's the assumption is like I need a baby monitor. What's the safest baby monitor? Uh, all, all the moms are typically a lot of moms use these video monitors in a baby's room. Is there a safe one? How can we use those safely? Yeah. Well, the first thing I'd, I'd say to ask yourself is, do you really need a baby monitor? I've, I've never had one personally. Um, I've just found other ways to, um, I mean, for one thing, I co-sleep. So at nighttime, I'm, I'm sleeping with my baby, so I don't need a baby monitor at night. In the day, like often, like when the infant phase, I would actually nap with my baby because I needed the rest too. Cause I'm, she's waking me up all night. So, you know, it's good for us to get the rest too. But I know that, you know, some moms are not in that position. Some moms do have to work while their babies are napping. Um, and if you can't put your baby like real close to you while you're working or like, you know, within earshot at least, then, uh, yeah, first I'll say a little bit about baby monitors. They're actually very high in EMFs. Um, there's a building biologist named Oren Miller who who tests EMF levels in in the, his clients' homes, and he found that wireless baby monitors uh, produce twice as much microwave radiation as Wi-Fi routers. What? And yes, yes, and they're five times more powerful than a wireless tablet. So oh, yeah, yeah. So and he said uh, often the highest EMF levels in an entire house are located in the baby's nursery. Yeah. Yeah, that's so that's sad. Upsetting. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So as far as solutions go, 
definitely stay away from anything that attaches directly to the baby. So there's wearable baby monitors. That sounds like a terrible, I do not put anything on your baby that has any Bluetooth connection or wireless emissions, like the smart diapers. We wrote, actually wrote this article on the Blue Shield website about baby monitors and smart diapers. So you can tell when your baby needs a diaper change. I'm not it's actually a, that. That's actually a thing. I'm, I, I don't even know anyone who uses that the, those things, but uh, there people are out there using these things. Like what? Like maybe just try checking your baby's diaper. Like you'll you'll. <laughs> yeah, it's, another you'll able- it's just another option. I don't know. Think yes, about it. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but if you do need to use a baby monitor for any reason, we'll just say that. Um, keep it as far away from your baby as possible. Like the recommendation is at least 10 feet away because it's going to produce a lot less radiation if it, the further away it is. Um, There are actually wired baby monitors or ones that have wired options. So most baby monitors are advertised as wireless because that's what people, most people want, but there are, are some brands that have an ethernet capability. So you can actually wire it. There's a, there's a link, there's a brand called D link, um, I think it's available on Amazon. It's one of the nicer ones, so it's good quality. But it has, and they advertise it as a wireless baby monitor, but it has an Ethernet option where you can plug in Ethernet cords and, and wire it. So it's, and they say, they, they talk about that having like, you know, much better reliability and stuff. That's how they're advertising it. But obviously for people like us, they're like, hey, that's going to massively reduce EMFs if you wire the the thing instead of having a wireless so that's a good option. Um, and, you know, due to the increasing awareness of EMF dangers, there's actually um, safer options that are being produced, um, designed and produced. There's some that just transmit audio. So if you don't need the video, you just, you know, you need to hear the baby, right? So um, the audio ones emit a lot less EMFs than, than the ones that do video and audio. Um, And then there's others that have sensors that only transmit wireless frequencies when they detect movement or noise, reducing Uh, the EMF. It reduces EMS by about 90% if if it just detects it from that. So there's definitely some brands to look into if you need to use that technology based on your lifestyle, if you need to work, you know, uh, when your baby's napping and that's, you know, a lot of, a lot of us in our culture now, like do need to just because of how things are right now. So, I mean, I work. That's do you happen, yeah. Do you happen to know the, especially, I'm really curious about the last one that you mentioned. Yeah. Do you have, do you know of a brand that? Uh, I would have to look into that. Um, we do have, we do have a, an article on the Blue Shield website. Like, so if you go to the Blue Shield website and the education page, um, that's where all of our articles are. And I've, I've written most of those articles because I do a, a bunch of research and I do mo- the article writing. Um, there's a, there's one about baby monitors. If you do a search okay. for baby monitors, you'll find that article. And I will try to, um, find those other brands and, and add them to that article so that that can okay. be a, a resource that people can tap into. Yeah. Cause that's, that was a big, that was a really, really big question. Yeah, um, cool. we've always used the, um, like it, we, d- we don't need baby monitors very often in our house, but if there yeah. was like a nap situation where, okay, baby's down and I feel like I'm going to be like, you know, on the porch or something and whatever. Uh, just like the basic VTech, I think is the name of it. It's just a, it is the like $15 
nothing to it audio from Target. I'm yeah. honestly, after this conversation, a little terrified to even hear like what the EMFs are like for that mm. even. Yeah. But but if you're saying, you know, audio audio only is typically better than video and audio, that is a really cheap option. Um, cool. But I'm going to I'm going to look into that much further. Nice. Yeah, that's that's great information. Thanks, Courtney. Mm-hmm. Um, OK, next question is let me let me pull this next question back up. OK, um, how far away should my phone be from my belly? I work from my phone. Okay, so wireless radiation is subject to something called the inverse square law. And this means that as you move further away from the radiation source, the EMF levels will be reduced not just a little bit, but exponentially. So as you move away, even just like a few inches, you're going to get exponentially lower levels. This means that every bit of distance you can manage is your friend. The distance is your friend. So any amount... Further away is better, even if you have to kind of prop it up. And, you know, you can use one of those, uh, uh, what are they called? The, uh, the little pen things so that you're not actually touching your phone with your body, too. I like those things. They're called uh, stylus, the stylus pens. So, because I, I think, it, you know, because our, our skin is conductive, too, um, touching our cell phones, we're actually touching the radiation source. If you use the stylus instead, you're not actually touching it. You can like prop it up against something while you're like laying down or sitting down and then just use that thing. And that does actually reduce your uh, your interaction with your phone. And and it's just kind of actually works better than a finger too, as far as the accuracy. <laughs> so I like those things. That's, that's a good, that's a good uh, little upgrade. Um, but yeah, there's, so you know, we, we recommend a kind of a two-part approach for the unavoidable EMFs, like the ones you can't, you know, you can't really avoid it with your lifestyle. Um, it's one has been minimizing, minimizing or eliminating as much radiation as you can. Um, you know, just the what the things you can control that, you know, like if you can turn your Wi-Fi router off at night or even better, like get a wired connection like get an ethernet connection instead or get fiber optic or something like that that's like that's like the big upgrades like the long-term good stuff um you know all those things like don't carry your phone in your pocket when it's turned on uh put it on airplane mode or turn it off if you have to have it right up against your body things like that like um increasing distance and just minimizing exposure is like number one and then the blue shield devices, you know, we have home devices which plug into your house and cover an extremely large area. And what they do is they emit a scalar field that uh, is a, it's spherical. So it goes, it moves a certain distance in all directions, including up and down. Um, the, the field penetrates like walls and ceilings and other obstructions. So it covers the whole house with the same strength field, like no matter where you are in the house. And what it does is it emits frequencies that are based on natural patterns. Like I was talking about earlier, that symphony that's found in nature where it never repeats in exactly the same way. Like it's just this gentle kind of cascading symphony of frequencies and there's no repetitive frequencies so that your body can't, is not going to find something that it's, that it's being overexposed to and start mounting an immune response to it. Instead, it's going to put your body into that relaxed, you know, state, like if you go to a waterfall in nature. Mm-hmm. And for me, like slight, slight deviation, but important, I think 
for me, like I, you know, I spent so much time in nature, like being out in the West and traveling and like living in the mountains and living away from a lot of EMF sources that I, I would find that this is before I found Blue Shield. I would find that if when I would go into the city, like and be around all the EMF sources, I would my energy would tank. I would get anxiety, like I would get major like disorientation, anxiety, and fatigue. I would feel like exhausted, and then I'd have to go back into nature to recharge. So I was looking. I was like, I knew EMFs were an issue. I was like, but I didn't really know what the good solutions were. Like I hadn't really found anything that was that powerful. So I I, I learned about Blue Shield in 2018, and I is like a little over four years ago, and. I, I just, the idea sounded so awesome to me. I was like, I need this because this needs to be part of my, my health arsenal because I'm like, you know, I take responsibility for things. I'm like, am self-sufficient. I don't want to outsource my health to doctors and all these people. I don't want to have like chronic health issues that I'm going to have to go see someone. I need to take responsibility. So getting my blue shield, like we, I stopped having any of those issues going into the city. So it, it did actually feel like I felt like the same you know, yeah, it's not, the cities are, you know, I, in my opinion, like not as pretty as nature, but I didn't have that anxiety anymore. And I didn't have that fatigue anymore. And I could actually go into the cities without getting totally exhausted and like disoriented. So I, I kind of stayed in that relaxed state. And I was like much more centered, just, you know, I, I actually started with the auto unit, the one you plug into your car, because we were traveling full time at that time. and didn't actually have a house. We were like, we just had this uh, this travel trailer we were building. We were traveling around in this tiny trailer. So we got a plug-in for our trailer, which was ro- running on solar power. And then the auto was the most important one because we the cities were the times when we were exposed to the most EMFs. So the auto unit was my first one. Later on, we got we got a lot of other ones. But yeah, I just wanted to say I just wanted to say that for me, like as someone who like craves the wilderness, and Blue Shield for me is you know a way to feel those feel like i'm in nature like feel that that like relaxing like i'm in that same relaxing frequency field while i'm around emf sources yeah yeah so yeah. oh man that's exactly and i i think that this that i might have had this part of the conversation with natalie after we had already finished recording i can't remember but i was talking about the fact that i was then able to like i was feeling wretched. Um, And especially when I would leave the house, especially when I would go into the city, Greenville is like a top uh, 5G like city. They, they like took it on the earliest. And, you know, so I would even, especially as I was like passing towers, I could tell you I'm passing a tower right now without even having to look because it was so deeply affecting my body. And then after I got the blue shield, I, I realized like, oh my gosh, I am like, I am out in the city right now and feel totally fine. And Natalie was like, yeah, because it's like a tuning fork. Like you are, you are still carrying that vibration, even though you're away from your home. I just think that is so incredible. Exactly. Like you're, yeah, you're, you're entrained to a different field. So you're, you're vibrating at a different frequency than all these, all these stressful frequencies around you. So you almost are like traveling in a bubble. Like you're in this like good vibe bubble. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Granted, I still am. My next purchase is one of the like the little watches that you guys have, yeah. so that I can just yeah. keep it with me wherever I go. But, totally but yeah, agree. even just the home, just the home unit it's alone has been incredible for that. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's um, okay, uh, so this one kind of similar, gosh, to the to the baby um, baby monitor one because you just mentioned the strength of those but um one mom said our wi-fi router is in the baby's room is it necessary to move it 
Yeah, well, considering everything we just talked about, I'd say, like, even your own bedroom would be a better place for the Wi-Fi router than the baby's room. The baby's room is, like, the worst place for the Wi-Fi router of anywhere in the house. If it could possibly be moved, then I would say definitely move it. If it's literally impossible to move it for whatever reason, then at least turn it off at night. Um, and you can get um, automatic plug timers so that you can set set it so that the power to your Wi-Fi router shuts off at night. And that's a way so that you don't have to do it manually and risk forgetting. So timers for your Wi-Fi router, if you want to, if you need Wi-Fi and you need to have it in a space that's going to, you know, expose someone to high amounts of EMFs, like get it turned off at night because night is when our bodies regenerate from the stresses of the day. It's the most important time to have a safe, like a safe zone or a safe field where you're not, your, your immune system is not having to fight the EMFs all night long, mm-hmm. yeah, especially for the babies. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's so good. Um, okay. And then I've heard cars are like a Faraday cage. <laughs> what can we do in the car? I need my yeah. GPS. Yeah, totally. Um, yes, cars are like a Faraday cage because of the metal cage and the panels. Um, it concentrates any EMS sources that are produced inside of the car. Uh, if you're using your cell phone inside your car, you're probably exposed to about three times as much radiation as if you were in an open room or outside. Uh. <laughs> There's a study on this. Uh, we wrote an article about a, this study about uh, cars being much higher in EMFs. There's like they did a whole test on it and everything. Um, I think just minimizing wireless device use while in your car is good. Like I, when I think when I think about it, I just I, and I'm not like needing to use my phone while we're driving. You know, as a passenger or whatever. I just like put my phone on airplane mode because then it's not going to be like sending a bunch of signals out that are going to be bouncing around in the, in the little cage of my car um but yeah definitely uh a blue shield auto or portable like i actually have both i kind of like to to overlap them because the auto has kind of a, a stronger uh base protection strength it's kind of like a, a a little a mini home unit in your car and the portable is not as strong as far as because it runs on a battery but it does have uh, the additional frequencies like we we have uh they're all of our new models the auto's an older model but the newer ones are called we they're like dual bands where they have two uh frequency fields that operate in tandem so there's the main blue shield frequency field is like it kind of pulses every 30 seconds and it's like it just kind of pulses out these uh this like resonant symphony of frequencies but then the newer dual band units in between those pulses, there's a there's a continuous pattern that goes in between it. And continu- by continuous, I don't mean repetitive. There's no repetitive frequencies going on. It's just a continuous phi ratio patterns. So phi ratio is is uh you know the patterns you see in nature like the snail shell, um like the the honeycomb, like all these like beautiful patterns found in nature. A lot of them are based on the phi ratio. And there, there's a frequency versions of that too. If someone, if anyone's aware of the Fibonacci sequence, there's like number patterns that are mathematical ways of interpreting interpreting the phi ratio. So Blue Shield uses these mathematic patterns that are based on the patterns of nature. Um, and that extra, that extra um, little microprocessor that works in tandem with the first one seems to help a lot more with the uh, the more intense EMFs. Like if you're traveling in if you're traveling in, on the highway and you like see a 5G tower and then another 5G tower and then another one, the uh, yeah, this those more intense EMFs. If you have the the dual band devices, which most of our devices are at this point, uh, it's going to give you a lot more protection. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, as far as uh, the car, I just say 
minimize it and just have an auto or portable device um and then just and then just don't sweat it yeah because that's that's good you're in your bubble (laughs) that's such a good point too i'm glad you mentioned that too of the don't sweat it because this this information is so important and we do need to do what we can but if we are also on top of like if we're having this reaction and then we're stressing about this happening Uh that's more inflammation, more trouble. So So. true. Exactly. There is actually a major psychosomatic component to EMFs because we are psychosomatic beings. We're like, our minds influence our physicality so strongly that we're, this is why you have to have placebo stuff in tests because people, human mind is so powerful that we can't know what's happening to us when we're being tested. Otherwise we'll, we'll massively influence the results. It's yeah. like, so, so there's a huge component there. It's like, it's like stay in that, in that, you know, that place of love and faith, like, you know, mm-hmm. faith in whatever you believe and like, and just the goodness of the goodness of everything. And just like that you are protected and that you are like resilient, like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. Thinking of yourself is like, I'm strong. I'm resilient. Like I'm doing everything I can to like, I take care of myself. I take care of my family. It's like, you know, there, there are these, there are these external threats, but, but they're just like, they're just like tests i think they're tests they kind of test our fortitude they test our character they are just kind of like uh ways to make us better it's like yeah these these threats is like how do we respond to them so mm-hmm. yeah there's like there's yeah we wrote this one article on it's on the blue shield website that's uh titled do you know how powerful you are and basically mm-hmm. it's saying that you know your blue shield needs your help so it's not gonna like it's not some like inert device that's just gonna like protect you just like and give you 100% protection all the time you need to you need to do your part too like we need to like be in a good headspace as much as we can yeah everyone gets stressed out everyone has bad days whatever but like you know it's life is really like all about like how we respond to like the situation that we're presented with it's like I love it that was that reminds me I listened recently uh one of my actually one of my listeners recommended a podcast episode to me um and it was by this woman her name's Dr. Caroline Leaf and she was talking about the fact that it's like our physical body like the this of us is 1% our mind and our spirit and soul that's 99%. So yeah. what you are thinking is so much more important. How you think, how you are living day to day is so much more important than anything physical. It's yeah. it's critical. Totally. Totally agree. And that's like that kind of yeah, like the EMFs like that's like this the scalar field. It's like the whole total rabbit hole of scalar fields and we go into this on our website, but the scalar field is basically like the informational non-physical component of the emf and it affects us a lot more powerfully and that to me like is like the spirit that's like the mind and the spirit and then the the transverse wave which is what the wi-fi uses and stuff that's just like the physical component which is like i don't know the informational stuff just seems to affect us a lot more same with us too yeah um okay now what about comparing wi-fi to like cellular data is there is one better than the other is it preferable to use one over the other so um it depends on the strength of the signal so you know i would use the one that has a stronger connection because Mm -hmm. uh then the wireless device won't have to work as hard to maintain the connection so when your phone has full bars that means the signal is being transmitted easily between your phone and the cell tower with minimal radiation output 
Ah. Uh, like, yeah. When your phone only has one bar and is having a hard time maintaining a connection, the device actually compensates by cranking up the radiation in an attempt to reach the tower. So it mm. seems totally counterintuitive, but you're exposed to far more radiation when your signal is weak than if it's strong. Wow, that's fascinating. Pick, pick the better, pick the one that has a better connection, and you'll actually get less EMFs from it. Cool. That's really that's really cool to hear. Okay. Um, and what about? Um, and uh, there's one question. I'm I'm skipping out of order right now. But does airplane mode really block EMFs? Like when sleeping or reading on a Kindle, is that helpful? Yeah, for sure. Airplane mode is great. Um, it it basically it prevents your your phone from sending or receiving any signals. And that's, you know, pretty much how it emits radiation. It might have like a super tiny, like little field. I, I, I have an EMF meter. I've tested things. I've tested my phone on airplane mode. It doesn't emit anything. It's like, wow. And it depends on the phone too. It's like sometimes your phone's battery can emit like a little bit, but I, yeah, it's like so negligible. Airplane modes like does a huge amount, um, you know, that's good to know. So if you sleep, if you keep your phone in your bedroom and you sleep, uh, have it on airplane mode and just have it like uh, far enough away from your bed. And you'll just like, that's just like a great strategy for sleep. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing that we do. I, or, well, my husband isn't always the best about this, but I'm always, I always put my phone on airplane mode and then put it in the kitchen. I'm like, totally get away. great. No, that's right. <laughs> when you're sleeping, like you want to have your phone yeah. far away from you. Like a, a lot yeah. of people, like some people like, like make it a habit to, keep their phone in a totally different room while they're sleeping because you know you have this temptation to like get on your phone it's like there is this kind of addictive relationship with like especially oh, yeah. social media and you want to like have a time like some kind of designated time when you're just free from that when you spend time with but, your family and you rest mm -hmm. exactly but you know what's re what's interesting is i for a long time i had just put it on airplane mode and not worried about it like it's on airplane mode it's in my room but I noticed, and I don't know if it was with a recent update. I don't know if there's even any information on this, but my iPhone, um, I will get text messages now, even on airplane mode and like emails will come in. And so I started thinking like something has changed, <laughs> something is different and I, I'm not interested. And so that's why I started moving it out of my room. So I don't know if things have changed, um, yeah. but Do you I notice that on my phone. I, I think sometimes the phone will, when you put it on airplane mode, it'll, some phones will, I think, automatically turn on Wi-Fi and then they'll connect <gasps> to a Wi-Fi router. Oh, so check even... on that, check on that and see if your phone has Wi-Fi enabled. Cause if it, cause there's yeah. no, if it's not, if it's not using cell data and it's not using Wi-Fi, there's no way it could receive emails or texts. It has to be one of those. Yeah, so well, it's, it's probably. I will. Ad I can admit that since having my Blue Shield, I am not as good about remembering to turn my Wi-Fi off at night. So it totally yeah. could be. It totally could be. That. Oh yeah. I didn't well, that. get one of those timers so that it turns off yeah. automatically. You don't have to think about it. Yeah, no, that's you a, get that. that. Yeah. Great idea. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, and then are there ways to become resilient? or resistant to EMFs um, yeah. of the unhealthy frequencies. Yeah, for sure. We, we believe there definitely are. Um, so something we've noticed as long-term Blue Shield users is that, and we've heard this from s quite a few long-term customers too, is that the longer you go like with a Blue Shield in your environment, like and you're like mostly in that frequency field, the less reactive we get to emfs if, like if you like if you go out and forget your portable like it used to be for me when i would 
forget my portable, I'd be freaking out and I'd be like, oh God, I'm going to not have a good time. But these days, if I forget my portable, it's like nothing. It's like my body's become a lot more resilient and the frequent, the, the coherent field from the blue shield is so like, my body is so used to that, that it holds that frequency for a longer period of time. And there's a reason for this actually. And the, the founder of blue shield, he was, he described this, he was, cause he noticed the same thing. He said that, uh, so scalar, which is the, the, uh, frequency fields broadcasted on a scalar field and scalar water absorbs scalar. And we have, you know, our bodies are very high water content. So, you know, like the, the messages in water, like the Masuro Modo's work of like the frequencies, external frequencies structure water. So the blue shield field will actually structure the water in your body in a coherent way. And the water holds onto that structure for a period of time, especially as you, you know, after you've been in the blue shield field for a while and your body's like entrained to it, like you're, you're used to it. You're like set up in that way. You've got a lot of your vitality back and like your, your resiliency too, your adaptability and resiliency then your body will hold that structure for a while and then you'll be on a short outing and you won't even notice like then there's 5g towers and you're like oh i see that there's a 5g tower but i don't feel it it's mm-hmm. like you're still in that bubble and that wasn't that was not something i noticed happening I, happening until like i say like a couple years after i'd been using blue shield consistently i noticed that i wasn't reacting to the emfs anymore anymore even when i was outside the blue shield field I, you know if if i went days like if I went to a population-dense area and I slept multiple days, like, in a hotel room without a blue shield, I'd probably start to feel it again. But those short outings, yeah, I'd probably lose entrainment after a period of time. Um, I haven't tried that. I always bring my blue shield I with have. me. On accident, I have. Uh, when I – and maybe I mentioned this. I can't remember what I mentioned on the episode or just talking to Natalie. But how my daughter got sick and we were in bed and I, it was days in bed. And all of a sudden, the right side of my face started hurting, which was one of my big, like, symptoms. And I was like, why is this happening? This has not happened since I had my blue shield. I don't understand. And then I had this thought of like, did I unplug it? And I realized that before she had gotten sick, I had unplugged it to plug something in really quickly, thinking I would plug it right back and forgot. Then she got sick and we were in bed. And there was a huge part of me that was like, how much of this illness was because <laughs> this darn blue shield has been unplugged and wow. she's being additionally bombarded? But I, I started feeling it again. So after a few days, it did come back for me. Wow, that's a that's a re- really valuable experience because you know yep. that the really valuable thing about that is that that removes the psychosomatic element mm-hmm. because you thought the blue shield was plugged in and you still got sick. Yep. So yep. wow, for sure. And it, it also just proved to me how much it works. Like, oh my gosh, this is helping me every day feel, feel good. And when I don't have it after a while, it's, it's noticeable. Yeah, Uh, definitely. Yeah. Really incredible. Um, Okay. So also, all right, this is one of the last questions, but does 5G change EMF exposure and strength? Like what's the deal with 5G? Yeah, so 5G is a totally different animal than 4G. Um, it's structured in a very different way. It uses very direct, intense beams. They, it uses a technology called beamforming. So if you were to imagine the way 4G, like the older technology uses 4G, so where the, the cell, cell tower broadcasts a signal, and it's kind of like a cloud. It's like a cloud of waveforms because they're, they're lower frequency so that the waveforms are, are bigger. Um, and then within that cloud, any any device that's like trying to pick up a signal can receive 
information from that. Um, 5G does not work that way. 5G is kind of more like a laser that's like rotating back and forth looking for a target. It's like a laser beam. It's super intense. It's very focused. And, it, and it's constantly scanning too. So it's it's so it's not just that you know your five G phone tries to pick tries to you know look for a signal and then the five G is broadcasted right to you right then. It's it's those things are constantly scanning. So they're constantly you know beaming through living organisms even that even when you're not requesting a signal. So it's not the cloud. It's like a, it's like a laser beam. <laughs> So it's a it's yeah it's a totally different thing. It it is a lot more intense on the body. Generally, it uses a lot higher frequencies too. There's a five G actually uses a pretty wide range of frequencies. Uh, it's a wide band. There's there's low band, mid band, and high band five G. And high band five G is uh is commonly called millimeter waves because they're extremely tight. They're so high frequency that the waveform is really small. It's like within the millimeters or centimeters. Um, yeah, and that's that's a big reason that the newer Blue Shield models came out is to is to protect from that more those more intense exposures. But uh, yeah, like yeah, I definitely take five G seriously. Like there's a uh, there's actually military weapons um, that are called like crowd control weapons. They're a type of directed energy weapon that uses the same frequency as like some high band five G, just a lower power output, and the you know the whole point of that is to it's it's a non-lethal weapon that's supposed that's uh, supposed to disperse like uh protesters and rioters by by causing an intense unbearable burning sensation on the skin so people say like people say that 5g gives them a burning feeling on their skin that's all like that's a really common complaint you know since 5g came out it's like oh i feel like my skin is burning so obviously people are getting a low power version of that same experience and the mm-hmm. skin like we wrote we've written articles about like the skin actually your sweat ducts are actually antennas that channel energy into your body it's like there was a study done on this in israel it's like the, the sweat ducts are actually helical antennas like they just they spiral inward and it's it channels anything that and and 5g specifically like those waves they like resonate with the frequency of the skin like they hit your skin they don't go deeper so much but they hit your skin and that channels it deeper into the body wow oh my gosh yeah it it all i don't know everything that you're saying just just really clicks with me with my experiences of the sensations that i was feeling and uh, why i really started taking emf mitigation seriously because of what it was feeling like it was it was like this tingling this yeah. constant tingling burning sensation and that's still what will happen to my face if i'm out in 5g for you know too long without wow. without indication wow oh, man that is fascinating um okay and then our final question is is simply regarding mitigating emfs and i i'm going to ask about emf blockers but yeah i, I want to take this a little bit further but mm-hmm. do they work like, you know, d- does blocking EMFs really work? Is that something we can actually do? Um, okay, so blocking refers to, so when you say EMF blocking, I know some people who don't aren't really educated use the term EMF blocking when they talk about EMF protection in general. Mm-hmm. But EMF blocking, the only thing that's really that is shielding. So shielding is like, is uh, also known as Faraday technology. And it's where you take some kind of, uh, some kind of mesh or like fabric or cloth or just like a metallic subs- uh, surface that's conductive and you place it between 
uh, something and the frequencies. And what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to absorb the frequency so that it won't pass through to the other side. But, um, I mean, this can be marginally effective, but it's really hard to completely surround an area that you're trying to protect. And if you do, and you have, and you're trying to use wireless devices, it's, they're not going to work at all. Like if you do it right, then your cell phone's not going to work at all, or your Wi-Fi router's not going to work at all. So if you like, like, put shielding paint in your whole house and you cover up your windows or whatever, because you'd have to do that. Because otherwise, like, you can put shielding paint on your walls, but but it's still gonna radiation's it's still gonna come in through your windows. Like you have to completely surround that thing all the way to actually. It's like a yeah, it's like a huge hard thing to do, but there's still that other component from the EMF that still gets through shielding materials. It's the scalar components, like we were talking about earlier, like the transverse field, which is what the the uh, the Wi-Fi and the cell phone towers and are using a transverse signal to as like as the wave that they ride on. So that's why they lose power over distance and they have all these limitations. They can be blocked by you know, if they can be blocked by uh, blocker materials or shielding materials. Um, but that uh, that field has a scalar component that's unintentional. They don't use that as the carrier wave, but it comes along as a byproduct. And it's the it's also known as the information wave. It's like the it's just a it's just a component of the EMF. That's, you know, even back in the day, it's like uh, James Clerk Maxwell, his like original electromagnetic theories like he he hypothesized the transverse frequency and the scalar component of the EMF wave. But then, you know, moving forward, like Heinrich Hertz and everyone who ended up like developing all that and like proving those theories, they just focused on the transverse because they could measure it. They couldn't, the other one could be produced, but not measured with devices. So it's one of those things where it's a phenomenon that can be witnessed and can be like, proven through experiments but it's can't be measured with a meter and it can't be controlled as easily so they just kind of ditched that until tesla came along so tesla is the one who really started playing with scalar and like harnessing scalar from the earth and yeah i was like a lot of our our technology is like building on what what tesla did um but but every every emf is like is has a scalar component and that's going to get through the shielding materials and there's there's high there's a it's hypothesized that uh scalar affects the body about five times more than the transverse field because we're like very responsive to scalar because we're mostly skate we're mostly bioscalar beings like our bodies mostly produce scalar fields and very little like transverse because it's like it's like the living field it's like the the living organism field that's so we respond to that a lot more strongly so you know blocking out that transverse component is going to do a little bit and i'd say like don't use that as your main form of EMF protection, but if you want to add that on, if you find that it's helpful, like we have, you know, we have uh, shielded hats on the Blue Shield website. They're, a, they're an accessory. They're something we don't recommend as your primary form of protection, but some people find them to be helpful. They're just like, you know, there's a cool, a cool thing to add on. And uh, I mean, they look cool and it's just like a little extra protection, especially if you're in a place where there's like a lot of, you know, a lot of towers around and you already have, you have your portable with you. So you have your main form of protection and you're doing your best to minimize exposure. But yeah, EMF blockers, that means shielding. EMF protection is a different thing, and that, that uh, spans the more broad range of different types of protection. And I've explained how Blue Shield works. It just provides an alternative field that your body can preferentially entrain with because it's more biocompatible rather mm-hmm. than trying to block yeah. the frequency. Yeah. 
And it's running on it's scalar, just like you yes. said, which is what we're so receptive to. So it's exactly. So we're gonna. So it's very. So our body is going to feel very inclined to resonate with that instead because it's scalar because it's mimics natural frequencies that we've you know evolved alongside. So our body's like, yes, I'll have that. Like that is the meal I want <laughs> instead of this yeah. other you know trash food I've been eating for a while. <laughs> the other EMFs. Oh man, Courtney, this was such an enlightening conversation. I think, I don't think I, I don't know. I've spoken about EMFs before. I've spoken to people about EMFs before. I think that the way that you described everything and explained everything was the easiest to understand, like so comprehensive. Thank you so much for answering everybody's questions. Um, You did it. You did so well. Like it was just, that was incredible. I am excited that this episode, if you're listening to this episode when it's coming out, then you are in perfect time for Blue Shield's um, Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale. And uh, with the code HOMEBIRTH, you'll be getting 18% off instead of, what is it, is it 15% off store-wide? Yeah, yeah, 15 is, is our, our regular code, but the, we're get, you get an 18% off code. Yeah. Which is which is huge already, uh, but that extra that extra percentage, I'll take it, baby. Um, so yeah, make sure you use that code HOMEBIRTH. And I know that if you've got any questions, you can totally reach out to Courtney. Um, and she obviously obviously she's got the answer. Like she's she is the the EMF knowledge queen. So I'm sure don't hesitate to reach out and ask questions. And um, I am I believe I'm going to be taking advantage of this sale to go ahead and get myself a portable. Um, I, but I am so grateful, Courtney. This made so much sense. It made the information so accessible. Um, this is such a great resource for me to have to share with other moms. Um, and hearing your free birth stories, just, just amazing stuff. I love, I love the connection. Like this is, I feel so connected to all of your information. Um, this was such a joy for me. So, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much. I had a yeah, I had a great time. It was so great to just share all of that and help people learn. And I mean, I, I spend so much time like writing these articles on our website. Like, you know, my my main like focus is to is to take really complex information and and simplify it so that people can understand it. So it's not like this, this thing that's like impossible to understand or like, yeah, I, I read so many studies and like really hard to, to read things. And then I just translate it. And like, I just like, I just really into doing that. Uh, um, and you do an amazing job at it. Absolutely. You. Thank you so much, Courtney. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Was that not absolutely amazing? So illuminating, so fascinating. Courtney knows her stuff and she is really able to express why this is so important. I want to thank you guys for sending in your questions uh, because without them, you know, I, I don't know if we would have covered what you needed. And it was really amazing to to see the range of questions. And I hope that this really cleared up a lot of the questions that you may have had regarding EMFs, regarding these electromagnetic fields. I have got to admit that I learned a lot speaking to Courtney today, and it was just such a blast. Um, A few of the things that really stuck out to me were the ideas that nature, number one, this is our episode roundup, (laughs) nature does not repeat itself, you know, in terms of the, the frequencies that our body is receiving from nature, it's patterned, sure, 
but it's not this constant repetition. And so it's so neat that Blue Shield does the exact same thing with with their products. The second thing that I think is so incredibly important is this idea of taking responsibility for our own health. Courtney did this in terms of her birth experience. I mean, giving giving birth, free birth, unassisted uh, with her first baby and just feeling so strong and confident in her decisions, not outsourcing um, her health was so empowering and so powerful to hear. And it's the exact same when it comes to her journey with EMFs. And I feel so such a kindred spirit with Courtney because it's been very similar for us. And being certain that we are taking responsibility and being certain that we aren't outsourcing, that we aren't just you know, leaving it up to chance, leaving it up to the government to save us or protect us. We have to be vigilant. We have to take care of our families to the best of our abilities. And that leads me to my final point, which is let's do our best. Let's do what we can. And then let's not stress about the rest. Listen, adding stress is only going to cause more inflammation, more chronic illness, more acute illness. So we can do our very best. We can protect our families in the ways that we can to our best ability, but then we've got to let go. I feel like for me, that is trusting the Lord, trusting that he will provide, he will protect, um, doing my part, but, but letting go, having an open hand with the rest. So I hope that this episode was as illuminating to you as it was to me. I think I've used that word three or four times just in the intro and outro, but that is how I feel about it. Um, don't forget their Black Friday through Cyber Monday sale and the code HOMEBIRTH is going to get you 18% off, 10% off at any other time of the year. So I hope that you guys loved this. This is all that I have for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Happy Thanksgiving! Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.